Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Interlude Podcast updates on breast cancer staging. I wanted to record this episode because I get a lot of questions about the different types of staging and breast cancer when a cancer is staged. And there are a lot of nuances because there is anatomic stage, there is prognostic stage, and then within prognostic stage, there is clinical prognostic and pathologic prognostic. And this gets complicated. And very often I find that people are not aware of what their stage is, what their original stage was, what things looked like after they had chemotherapy and surgery. And so I wanted to really come on here and break down that information into a way that is hopefully easy to understand. And with that, let's get right to it. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Toplinski, and I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in the treatment of breast and gynecologic cancers. I started the Interlude podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through cancer. On this podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to the cancer journey, the treatment, and life after cancer. As a reminder, the information discussed on this podcast is not meant to serve as medical advice. Any specific medical questions should be directed to your healthcare team. To begin with, it is important to know that the big change in breast cancer staging came in 2018. Prior to 2018, staging was based on something called the TNM staging, or the tumor nodes metastases staging classification for breast cancer. And this stage was based on three factors only. The T is the primary tumor, the size of the primary tumor. Tumor stage is going to be based on several factors. So if you're staging a cancer clinically, it's going to be based on clinical examination and imaging. What that means is how big does the cancer feel on exam, if you can feel it, and how big does it look on imaging, taking into account mammogram, breast ultrasound, and MRI. And this gets a little confusing sometimes because sometimes a cancer will look a little different in terms of size on mammogram versus ultrasound and versus MRI. But in general, it's going to be in in a similar range. For example, let's say for patients who will have chemotherapy or endocrine therapy first before surgery, you are assigned a clinical stage. And then for patients who have surgery first, you will get a pathologic stage. Clinical anatomic stage will mean, okay, this cancer is three centimeters on imaging. Pathologic anatomic stage is this cancer was 2.6 centimeters on lumpectomy, for example. So that's going to be the T. Once you have the size for patients who have a ductal carcinoma in situ, that is going to be a TIS. Then for patients who have a tumor that is two centimeters or less, that's T1. Between two and five centimeters is T2. Greater than five centimeters is T3, and then a tumor of any size with direct extension to the chest wall and or the skin is going to be a T4. And now within each of these categories, there are then also subcategories. That's the tumor size. Now we're going to move on to the lymph node classification. 
the lymph node classification criteria do differ depending on whether the lymph nodes are clinically or pathologically assessed. Again, clinical assessment means I am doing an exam. I'm seeing if I feel any lymph nodes in the axilla or the armpit area, as well as any lymph nodes above the clavicle or below the clavicle. Pathologic staging of the lymph nodes is going to be once the patient has a lumpectomy or a mastectomy and has either a central lymph node biopsy or an axillary lymph node biopsy, how many lymph nodes are involved, that's going to be your pathologic lymph node assessment. And similar to the tumor size classification where you have categories based on the size of the cancer, you're also going to have categories based on how many lymph nodes you have or where they're located. And the reason that's a little bit different, so for clinical lymph node assessment, I have no way of knowing how exactly how many lymph nodes are involved. Now, my imaging may guide me and saying, look, there look to be three or four concerning lymph nodes, or there doesn't look to be any concerning lymph nodes, but that is still not a definitive assessment. So your clinical classification of lymph node involvement is going to be based on a couple of factors. It's going to be based on where the lymph nodes are located. Are they located in the axilla or are they located in the clav above or below the clavicle? And then it's also based on whether the lymph nodes are mobile, meaning that I can feel them and I can feel them kind of move around or if they're fixed or matted to the skin. So that is going to change the clinical stage. That's clinical lymph node assessment. Pathologic lymph node assessment is really looking at where and how many lymph nodes there are. In general, for N1, those are for patients who have findings of one to three axillary lymph nodes. N2 is for patients who have four to nine positive axillary lymph nodes. And then N3 is for patients who have 10 or more axillary lymph nodes or they have in involvement infraclavicular or supraclavicular lymph nodes. And that means either below or above the clavicle. Some people will also have involvement of internal mammary lymph nodes. And the internal mammary lymph node chain is really essentially a pathway through which breast lymphatic drainage flows. And the involvement of those lymph nodes will affect the nodal staging as well. So now we have the tumor size, that's your T. We have the lymph node, that's the N nodal. And then the last part in that TNM is going to be whether or not distant metastases are present. M0 means that there is no evidence based on exam, based on any imaging that distant metastases are involved. For example, I have a CAT scan or a PET scan that tells me I don't see anything concerning in the lung, the liver, and so forth. M1 is metastases that are found outside of the breast and the regional lymph node distribution area. When it comes to identifying distant metastases, sometimes it can be challenging. So for example, you may have a PET scan that says, yes, there are lesions in the liver and you biopsy the lesions and the lesions confirm that the breast cancer is spread to the liver. That would be an M1. 
Occasionally, though, we'll have a scan that is inconclusive or it'll show very small nodules in the lung, for example, that you can't biopsy because they're tiny. And then it gets confusing. Well, what is this? In general, I like to make sure that we can prove metastatic disease. So until I can prove it with a biopsy or definitive diagnosis, I don't like to kind of commit someone to that diagnosis. The TNM staging, just looking at those three factors, was in effect between 2010 and 2017. Effective in 2018 came the eighth edition of the American Joint Committee on Cancer Staging. And this was a new staging because not only did it look at those anatomic factors, the T, the N, the M, it also started adding prognostic biomarkers. What I mean by this is that it now includes tumor grade. It includes estrogen receptor status, progesterone receptor status, and HER2 status. And what came you know, with this change is that a tumor that may have previously been a stage three or a stage two, by just looking at tumor size and lymph node status and whether or not metastases were present, was now essentially kind of downstaged to a stage one. And the, the rationale for this was that all cancers are different. A HER2 positive three centimeter breast cancer with one positive lymph node is going to behave very differently and have a different prognosis than a triple negative breast cancer with the same size and lymph node. And the downstaging that came to be or the upstaging that came to be was really using the therapies that we have at the time. And the idea is, let's say for HER2 positive, a lot of those HER2 positive cancers are downstaged because we have really good, effective HER2 therapies available that decrease the risk of recurrence that we didn't have previously. And as new therapies will come, the staging will have to be revised if prognosis is going to change. The really important part about using prognostic staging rather than anatomic staging is that it implies that the patient is going to receive effective therapy. So for example, let's say a tumor is downstaged and a patient makes the decision not to go on anti-HER2 therapy or makes the decision not to go on endocrine therapy, you have to almost revert back to the anatomic staging at that point because the prognostic staging, again, is going to assume that the recommended or the standard of care therapy is being utilized. And they had, in order to validate this data set, they had two independent groups that ran very large analyses and did show that adding these, these biologic markers did improve prognostic discrimination over anatomic staging alone. Similar to the anatomic staging, you can have a clinical prognostic stage that's going to be used if a patient is going to get some sort of systemic therapy first, chemotherapy, endocrine therapy, anti-HER2 therapy. And for patients who have surgery first, their stage is going to be the pathologic prognostic stage. 
And again, for the clinical part, we're using all the information that we have based on exam and imaging and biopsy. And for the pathologic prognostic staging, we're using the information we have from the surgical specimen. And right now they've developed charts that it's impossible to remember. It used to be much easier with just TNM, TNM, but now you have so many other factors. So there are going to be their algorithms that you kind of plug all the data into and they'll tell you your stage. But it's important to remember that you're using the right algorithm. So first you're saying, am I using anatomic or prognostic? And if I'm using prognostic, am I using clinical or pathologic prognostic? And in general, you're only getting one stage. So you're not getting a clinical stage. You're not getting a clinical prognostic stage and a pathologic prognostic stage. So you get one stage. We do report all the information. So what I mean by this, so let's say you're getting neoadjuvant chemotherapy first and your oncologist has said, you are a clinical prognostic stage two and you get your chemotherapy and then you have surgery. You'll get a T on your pathology report. You'll get N on your pathology report, but you're not gonna get a new stage recalculated. It'll, your records will read that you were a clinical prognostic stage two, you had neoadjuvant chemotherapy, then you had surgery, and these were the results. And I think this sometimes can get confusing, but you only get one stage. Um, and that is, I think, a really important point. And that's why when you're talking about stage, it's really important to delineate how that stage was calculated and when was it calculated and which part of the process. The last thing I'll say is that very often, you know, we'll have patients that were staged before 2018 when they were diagnosed before 2018 and they only had anatomic staging. Your medical records aren't going to now change, but I think that it's important to say, hey, you know, I was originally a stage three or a stage two. With the newer staging, just out of curiosity, you know, taking into all the, the biomarkers, is my prognostic stage different? And again, that's not necessarily going to change in your record, but or it could, but it at least gives you a little bit more information about really the behavior of the cancer. The last part that I will mention is that Oncotype is also somewhat used in terms of staging specifically for patients who have tumors that are less than five centimeters that are ER positive and HER2 negative. If you have an oncotype recurrence score of less than 11, even if you have a T2 cancer, that really, that score of less than 11 denotes a prognosis that's similar to those with tumors that are one centimeter or less, and your prognostic stage is going to be 1A. Just sum all of this up, before 2018, we had anatomic staging using just tumor size, lymph nodes, and whether or not metastases were present. And now we have prognostic stage, which also takes into account tumor grade, grade one, grade two, grade three, and ER, PR, and HER2 status. And that gives us more information. It's much more accurate in giving you your prognosis because all cancers of the same size are not created equal. And ER cancer, positive cancer is different than a triple negative cancer. And using the prognostic model gives you more accurate information about your risk of recurrence and survival. Thank you for listening. I hope that you found this helpful. It is a complicated topic, 
but one that is really, really important to understand. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed other episodes of the podcast, I would be honored if you can leave a rating and review over an Apple podcast. That is the best way to help me grow the show and to bring it to you listeners. You can find me at Dr. Toplinski on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Feel free to send me a message. I, Fridays, I do post a weekly Q&A on Instagram, which is a great way to get some of your cancer questions answered. Thank you all again for listening, and I will see all of you soon.